Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. This week's guest is Kelly Kratz. Kelly serves as the lead trainer for New Trainer Development for the Positive Coaching Alliance, an organization that has grown from a small, local nonprofit to a strong national organization, hosting thousands of workshops every year and partnering with some of the largest organizations, pro sports teams, and national governing bodies. As a catalyst for a positive youth sports culture, PCA provides research-based training and resources for coaches, parents, athletes, and leaders to ensure a positive youth development experience for all kids in all communities across the U.S. through sports. I hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Kelly Kratz. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and with me this week is Kelly Kratz with Positive Coaching Alliance. Kelly, welcome to the podcast, and we are all looking forward to hearing more about your journey in the sport industry and also uh, really in sport in general and also what you're doing now to impact sport for so many people. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Happy to be here. Super. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what, tell us about Kelly Kratz from the, you know, uh, what you, who you are, what you do and all this. So, um, you know, I think, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I, um, you know, I was born and raised outside of Philadelphia and I was raised in a family that sports was a big part of our lives. Um, I have two parents that grew up in the city. So when we moved out to the suburbs and I started talking about wanting to play field hockey and lacrosse. These were brand new sports. They've never, you know, my dad played basketball. My mom was a bowler. So um, it was really fun because I was always super athletic in PE class and, you know, field days and all that. But I really didn't have an opportunity to be on an official team until probably around sixth or seventh grade back then. Um, And so I started playing every sport I could, every sport I could get my hand on, anything I did. I had two brothers that played baseball. I was always there. So when I got into high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I played field hockey. I played basketball. I played lacrosse. Um, And then I ended up earning a scholarship to St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia for field hockey, which ended up being a great fit for me. It was a division one school, but it was smaller. And I had the opportunity to start all four years, which at the time it was hard to do as a freshman coming in. And I think it was just a a perfect fit for me. Um, My real passion was the sport of lacrosse, believe it or not. And so St. Joe's didn't have an NCAA team. And so it really bothered me that they had a club team, but people weren't taking it seriously. So my freshman year, in order to stay in shape for field hockey, we didn't have spring seasons in the NCAA back then. It was more of just training. I decided to walk onto the track team. (laughs) So um, being a a walk-on division one track athlete was a great experience for me. It's one of those sports I've always wanted to do. I always knew I had some speed, but lacrosse was always during track season. And the track coach was a, uh, my, also my basketball coach in high school and always said, Hey, I want you to run track. I want you to run track. And so I thought, what, you know, what better time than now to try. So I ended up being a sprinter and hurdler on the track team at St. Joe's my freshman year, which was fun. Um, I loved the team. I loved everything about it, but just being a team sport athlete, my whole life, that transition to the individual sport and seeing my teammates who were, you know, all Americans getting so excited because they beat their time by two one hundredths of a second. I just couldn't even wrap my mind around that. I was like, wow, okay. You know, this is great. So, but luckily for me, by the time my junior year rolled around, 
um, the lacrosse team went NCAA. We got an NCAA bid. So I had the opportunity to play lacrosse for my junior and senior year. And so it was a great experience to be able to be, I, you know, I tell people now jokingly that I was a three sport D1 athlete and they think I'm like this phenomenal anomaly, which now it is, but just the way the timing worked out, it was a perfect fit for me. So that's sort of my sports background. Um, out of college, I was an elementary ed major. So out of college, I was looking for teaching jobs, which coaching usually went along with that as well. And my first coaching job was actually division two basketball. I had a friend of mine who's who had knew somebody that needed a coach at a small D2 school outside of Philadelphia and said, would you be interested in coaching? And so I said, yeah, you know, I can't play right now. So let's go coach. So that was my first coaching job was an assistant coach at a division two basketball girls program. And it was just great being so young and so close in age to the athletes to all of a sudden be taken seriously as a coach. And I learned a lot from that head coach and decided that's where I sort of caught the bug for coaching. I really enjoy this. And, and I think it was really cool because he was a male coach and I was a female who had just graduated from college. So I got to give him a lot of perspectives on the female athletes and where they were coming from. And so that was, that was great. And then when I got a teaching job, I ended up getting a third grade teaching job um, in a school district right outside of Philadelphia. And I was hired as a high school basketball coach. So it's funny that I, you know, basketball was a sport I always loved, but I knew I was never strong enough to play it in college, but I always just loved the sport. So I ended up, my coaching started in basketball. And then I also started coaching high school lacrosse at the same school. And I did that for years while I was teaching. Um, and then I actually ended up having, you know, three kids <laughs> later. Um, I stopped teaching for a little bit, finished my master's degree in counseling. And coaching was a great job to do in conjunction with raising kids and getting my master's and coaching just seemed to fit. It was my time out of the house. I love doing it. So I stuck with coaching and I started coaching my own kids in youth soccer, which was a sport I had never played, but I thought, Hey, how hard could it be? And what I learned was it was a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> so probably I would say when my oldest daughter was about nine, I went to a positive coaching alliance workshop as a parent and it was a half an hour workshop. And I'd never heard of positive coaching alliance before. And I thought, okay, I'll just go to this and get, you know, some tips for parents. And I walked out of that 30 minutes and my mind was blown because I had never heard of this organization before. I thought to myself, I'm a, I'm a high level athlete. I'm a competitor. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I know everything there is to know about being a great sports parent. And I realized a lot of things I was doing weren't really the best for my own children. Things like, you know, telling them they're great and telling, you know, feeding them confidence and telling them, oh, you're so fast and you're such a good soccer player. And, you know, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I was, I was learning quickly that that's not the best way to handle it. Um, so I went up to the, the trainer after the workshop and I said, Hey, I just want to shake your hand. I love what you're doing. I love this positive coaching Alliance, this company from California that I'd never heard of before. He gave us the background that they originated at Stanford university. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm all the way over here in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Um, but I love what you're doing. And he just talked to me for a few minutes and he said, well, we're always looking for trainers. What's your background? So I gave him my sports background, my teaching background. He said, Hey, you're hired. <laughs> he said, you'd be great for this. So I started that in 2009 and I was a workshop facilitator. I just went around and did workshops part-time when I had the opportunity to do it. And again, it was literally like I, I caught on to something that I knew there was a need for. It didn't know existed. The idea of helping coaches and parents and athletes, um, the whole system just improve culturally, helping coaches learn how to coach more than just the X's and the O's, learning the psychology behind it, which I loved, as I said, as, a, as having a master's in counseling and the psychology behind it all, I loved that. And I felt 
there were a lot of coaches that were never taught that they were taught more of the skills and strategies of the sport. And I think I've always thought that the pendulum should have swung the other way, that sports is so much more about the mental aspect and the motivation, positive motivation of the players, and then the skills will come. So I felt like there was finally an organization that was speaking my language. And so uh, when it was getting to the point where I was deciding whether to go back to teaching or you know what to do, a position came up in Positive Coaching Alliance as a lead trainer. And all that meant was that I was um, given the opportunity to teach everyone else how to do these workshops. So I started doing that in 2014. And um, I actually changed the job position because the idea was for me to fly all over the country and recruit people from all over the country to learn about our principles of positive coaching, learn about the workshops, do these boot camp weekends where I'd run a hotel and you know get 10 to 15 people out and we'd stay there and we'd learn all the material and everybody would practice and they'd be certified and they'd become trainers. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a lot of wear and tear. It's a lot of travel. And the percentage of trainers coming out of that, those boot camp weekends, it was like 20% actually finished and did well. So I was at the time I was also finishing, you know, different, you know, having to take classes and I was doing them online and I was taking some online courses and I was thinking, well, why couldn't I just do this virtually and, and stay home and be there for my kids and set up this virtual course. So um, one of the biggest supporters and, and cheerleaders in my corner was my husband who said, you know, if you don't want their job, create a job position that you want and, and sell them on it and give them all the reasons why your, your job is better than the job they're asking for <laughs> and you can't yeah. lose. So it was a little nerve wracking for me being somebody that had always been a, um, a type A personality, good student. You know, I, would, I do what I'm told and I do what the teacher tells me to do. And all of a sudden my husband who's very thinking outside the box was like, go for it. So I had my interview out at Stanford, out in California with Jim Thompson, the head of the company, Tina Sire, a lot of the big wigs in Positive Coaching Alliance. And uh, my first question in the interview, they said, okay, we, you know, we'd love to hear why you want this job. And I said, actually, I don't want your job. <laughs> I said, um, I have a proposal here. This is the job that I want. And I sent out, I made copies of it and I had everything from the reasoning behind it, the retention of information, the use of time. And then I also had the budgetary constraints, how much money they would save by not flying me all over the country and how effective I could be in teaching people through I used Google Meet at the time, but using virtual um, trainings and getting people connected and then sending them out once they're trained rather than, you know, trying to train people in person and then sending them out on their own. So, um, you know, got home from, I had to do a few workshops for them out there and they liked me. A few days later, I got a phone call saying, you know, we'd like to hire you for your job <laughs> that you put together. And it was, it was great, Tim, because it was, it was really a pilot. Um, Positive Coaching Alliance had never done something like that before. And being able to see how effective it could be doing something virtually, not in person, especially when we're training trainers to do in-person workshops. I think there was a lot, a little bit, a little bit of hesitation, like, well, if this is what we're trying to do is make people be dynamic, engaging, you know, workshop facilitators, how can you do this in front of a computer screen? So the first few years, the, um, the positive rate of certification of our trainers was just higher than it had been ever. And I think it really had a lot to do with setting up a program of learning where you're taking people that obviously drink the Kool-Aid already. They understand coaching, they understand positive coaching or they wouldn't be coming to our company. Um, but getting them to translate it into the, the terminology that Positive Coaching Alliance uses, taking their experience as a coach and a player and, an, and, and a parent in many cases, 
and giving them the language to be able to use it. And it was just, it was a really, it was an exciting time for me because when you're sort of cutting the path and there's nobody that had done it before you, it's fun to be able to say, well, hey, I'm going to try this and let me try this now. And the course, the PCA trainer course, I called it evolved from, you know, it used to have maybe 10 people in it. We did three sessions a year to now it's, it's up to, I have about 48 people now, usually at one time and it's ongoing and it's sort of a self-paced um, workshop. I mean, a safe, self-paced course that we do and everybody has a chance to, to learn in their own style, learn in their own way and then do some demos for us via Zoom. And then we really, I also started a mentor program where before we send them out to deliver this amazing content to coaches, um, we have them paired with a mentor that can go out with them, a PCA staff or trainer, they can go out with them and, and you know, help support them for their first few workshops, give them some feedback. And it's, it's just been fantastic. It's been a great experience for me. So that's sort of where I started. As I said, I do have, uh, I do have four children right now. So being able to balance my career with my kids. And I'm also a high school coach, a high school assistant coach right now, which I love the fact that I get to do it in my job, teach people how to coach, but then I get to go to practice and see it in real time. <laughs> I bring a lot of that real-time experience to my workshops that I do. So PCA has been a great fit for me. It was the only, the only career that I could imagine that could use every aspect of my experience in my life from teaching and coaching and psychology and parenting and being an athlete. Um, so it's just been fantastic. Yeah, and um, for anyone listening, I'm a product of her training. Um, I'm an associate trainer right now, and I'm about to be starting my mentorship uh, situation where I will go out and be involved in some uh, training workshops and learn from some of the uh, folks who have been doing it for a little bit. I'm looking forward to that, by the way, Kelly. Um, yeah. So tell us uh, a little bit, uh, this is a great time to kind of talk about Positive Coaching Alliance. What is Positive Coaching Alliance? So, you know, I, the elevator speech is different than what I always say Positive Coaching Alliance is. Um, Positive Coaching Alliance is essentially a nonprofit that began in 1998 with the goal of transforming youth sports so that every kid that plays a sport will have a positive experience, will have a positive culture, they will have parents supporting them, coaches supporting them, leaders all on the same page, and stick with sports as long as possible. Positive Coaching Alliance founder Jim Thompson um, started back in San Francisco back in the day when his son was playing Little League. And he all of a sudden noticed that coaches weren't the same as they were when he was a kid. And there were parents screaming on the sidelines and parents yelling at the umpires. And he said, well, what's going on here? And he was at Stanford at the time. So he dug into it to sort of do some research and figure out what was going on. And at the time, he was also um, a teacher for a special needs community, a special needs school where the culture of the school was relentless positivity in order to motivate these, these children that were really in trauma and crisis situations, and it was working. So he was trying to mold together why, when we're trying to get kids to perform on the basketball court or the baseball field, do coaches feel like yelling and screaming at them and using fear-based motivation is the best way to do it when all the research backs that people are not motivated by that. And so that's sort of the birthing of it. That's how it started. And now it's, you know, 22 years later and we've have, you know, there's partners all over the country internationally as well. We have over 3000 partners. We have websites, we have, um, or just organizations that have reached out to us over the last year, even with Zoom, um, we've switched to virtual and it's been a really awesome opportunity because the bread and butter of the company are live workshop trainings. So when you can't get together with people live and you can't do sports, 
it was sort of a, okay, now we have to innovate. What do we have to do? So we've been able to reach a lot of groups that either for geographical reasons or just not having trainers in those regions, we've been able to reach them via Zoom this year. So it's been fun just to be able to even do workshops for the USA National Gymnastics Team coaches. Um, and when you talk to them about their greatest challenges and they say, well, I'm training athletes that might not be able to go to the Olympics in Tokyo for something that's completely out of their control. And I'm thinking, wow, this is an awesome opportunity for PCA that everyone needs the same message, whether you're coaching six-year-olds in soccer or you're coaching the national team, our principles really resonate throughout everything that they do. So um, that's, that's really the, the gist of PCA. We have three principles, which are filling emotional tanks, the Elm Tree of Mastery and Honoring the Game, which go throughout all of our workshops. And they apply to parents, athletes, leaders. And it's based on psychology. It's based on the best psychology that we can find from everybody from Carol Dweck and, and business leaders and parents and athletes. Our National Advisory Board made up of people like Phil Jackson and Dusty Baker and Julie Foudy and Summer Sanders and Steve Kerr. These people know how to compete and they know how to win and they know what works. So it's just been such a fun experience for me to be able to share this information with coaches all over the world, all over the country mostly. But again, because of Zoom, we've been doing them a lot more internationally. Right. So that's sort of the nutshell of what PCA is all about. Yeah, um, and for any of our international listeners in our 14 countries, um, if you, uh, I like sure that the Positive Coaching Alliance webpage uh, link is in the show notes. Um, I can say, as someone who has coached for a long time, you know, uh, it's very good stuff. And it's uh, information that can make a huge difference in not only just uh, performance, but also more importantly, the relationships that you build with your athletes mm -hmm. and, uh, and your parents too, uh, if you're coaching younger teams. And um, so I will make sure that's on there, especially our folks in Ireland that are listening. Um, you know, Kelly and her folks at Positive Coaching Alliance have some great, great tools uh, that you can use and uh, great PDFs and all sorts of stuff that you can uh, take advantage of on the webpage. So, um, so uh, this is because this is the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast, we have to bring the ladder into the mix here the first time. Uh, Who's held a ladder for you during your uh, climb to great success? Um, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, if you start thinking about, you know, pre-career success, I think, you know, obviously my family um, has been really supportive, I think, in my love of sports. And I joke all the time because we do a lot of PCA workshops for parents. And one of the things that we always warn against is being that over helicopter parent screaming at your kid from the sidelines you know, that that's so detrimental to your kids and let the co coach coach. And I actually had a completely opposite experience. Number one, I think, because I mentioned my parents didn't really, weren't familiar with the sports I was playing aside from basketball, but my parents were 100% supportive, sometimes to a fault. I remember playing in one game and, you know, I made, I had a huge foul and there's my mom clapping for me on the sidelines. <laughs> I'm thinking, mom, I wish you knew the sport a little bit better. But looking back, it was really great because I had 100% support and encouragement from my parents all the time, win or loss, no matter what the game was. Sports was not the be all end all for my family. It was something that we played and it was something that we really enjoyed. So I would say throughout my you know, high school and college career, my parents were probably my number one supporters. Um, once I got into college, I had, I had some phenomenal coaches and all of those coaches, I think, when, I, when you realize you get to the college level and there's coaches that are making coaching their career, it wasn't just a, a side job that they did and the passion they had for it and understanding that sports can really be transformational in your life. 
I had uh, my field hockey coach in college at St. Joe's, Michelle Finnegan. She was just completely different than my high school coaches. And for once, I felt like I had a coach that just cared about me as a person and really wanted to get to know me and wanted to check in to see how I was doing. And I thought, wow, this is somebody that really cares. It's not just about the sport. So she had a huge influence on us. And the other part of it too was she was a phenomenal player. So a lot of my coaches in high school, we couldn't have competed against them. And she would take on the whole team in field hockey, you know, two against the team and she would crush us. So we had a lot of respect for her too. But, um, you know, once I got into teaching, again, I think another person that really held the ladder was my, my principal, my first year of teaching. His name was Dave Davis. And I think for coming in as a young teacher into a career in teaching, um, to have a principal that really trusted, trusted me and was able to say, you know, I don't need to check your lesson plan books every day. I hired you because I know you're a good person and you're going to get the job done right. Um, I had friends, obviously, that were in other school districts. And they had to submit their lesson plan books every day. And they had to get checked, you know, to make sure they were doing a good job. And, and our principal said, you know, I never, I never told you that you had to finish the entire math book or science curriculum by June. I want to make sure that kids come out of your classroom growing more than they were before. And so that really helped a lot because I brought in a lot of things to my classroom that had to do a lot with self-confidence and communication and a lot of these life lessons that I felt like school was getting so wrapped up in test scores that we were missing. And so... Dave was a great, great supporter of mine in just taking some extra time out of the math and science and social studies to really help get to know the kids and get to know their families. Um, and then, you know, when it came to PCA, I think it's just, I've never been with a company. I mean, my, my husband teases me all the time that I work for the Positive Coaching Alliance. So if I ever have a bad day, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> a bad day with PCA is like, oh yeah, I didn't get five compliments today. But it's just, it's just a great culture. Um, everything from the, the, when we have staff meetings, we start with appreciations and triumphs. And when you get feedback, it's always couched in a way to say, hey, I believe in you and I know you can grow in this way. So it's just a really great environment. The people that we work for are phenomenal, not only athletically, but just, just as good people that want to make the, the message of positive coaching, the message of teaching life lessons to kids, the priority. I mean, you could just imagine, Tim, one yourself, um, people that want to work for this company are a little bit different than somebody that would want to go out and you know work for a huge corporation. They're choosing to work for a company like this. So it's just been phenomenal. It's been um, by you know the, the colleagues that I work with directly, my boss, Ruben Nieves, the director of training, he's a huge ladder holder for me. I, I don't think I've ever gotten anything but encouragement from him. And just as an athlete, when you get coached and you have a coach that believes in you and can, can really support you, there's no ceiling. I mean, it's just been really fun to work for someone that says, hey, you know what? Try it. See if it works. I'm there to support you. Or how can I help you? He says that a lot. How can I help you? How can I help you get better? I'm here if you need anything from me. So it's just made all the difference in the world in terms of career growth and advancement and feeling the confidence and the trust to be able to, you know, sometimes step out and take a risk and say, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's try it. Yeah. And I can say uh, from my own experience and going through the training with you all, um, <clears throat> I'll never forget, you know, I did one of my first presentations on Zoom uh, for the training. And uh, I got feedback afterwards because I, after all, I am a professor, but mm -hmm. I sounded too much like one. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you guys gave me some really uh, good um, feedback, but it wasn't negative in the sense of, hey, you know, we want to make sure that we can get the positives out of what you bring. 
-hmm. and where you're approachable. Now, I've always thought I'm, I'm approachable, but it's easy to get into a position like that where you are very much, you know, trying to get that content out. And I think that being able to have folks like your, you, Ruben, and others that provide feedback that can help encourage the person to continue forward, to improve and to get better. And I remember you know, I did my next presentation and I, I knocked it out of the park, you know, and, and I think that uh, I don't, I think one of the things that's incredibly important in this industry is that we always have to continue to learn. Mm -hmm. But even us folks that are over 50 now, like me, have to also get positive feedback too. So mm -hmm. um, that was something that I, <clears throat> in my experience, I, I really appreciated. And, uh, and I haven't really told you that, but it's uh, before, but it's something that ma mattered a great deal to me. So thank you. That's great. Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> you, you talked a little bit about your challenges uh, with going from in-person uh, presentations because of COVID, from in-person presentations across the country to going to Zoom. Now, the next question would be, what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your day-to-day -day job? So I think, you know, part of what you just said is one of the biggest challenges in my day-to-day -day job. When you're taking people through a process of becoming a PCA trainer and you take people that obviously are professionals and are excellent at what they do in their daily job and trying to give and giving feedback. Um, I think that's something, that's an area that I've definitely grown in and realizing, you know, what we're looking for in PCA are not lectures, it's not a class, it's not just content being thrown at people. It really comes down to how is it being received? And the bottom line is you could do a phenomenal speech in front of a, a group of coaches or a group of athletes or a group of parents. And if they walk out of there and they don't act upon it and do anything with it, then it was a failure. So what we really bring a lot into our workshops, and it's funny because a lot of this, I feel like I lean on my elementary school teaching sometimes more than anything else is really engaging coaches and engaging, engaging them in some of our tools, like having them give a criticism sandwich to someone else in the workshop, having them role play a coach that has to deliver some hard feedback to a player, how to teach a player who's, you know, throwing down the ball and getting angry, teaching them about a mistake ritual. And, and you're able to do that in a workshop so that the next time the coach is out on the field or the court or the pool and they recognize this, they say, oh wait, I, I did that at a workshop. I know the verbiage, I know what to say to this athlete and I'm looking for signs of players that have empty tanks so that I know how to fill them. And I'm not gonna fill their tanks by just saying, oh, you're great, Tim, good job, way to go. But I'm gonna fill them with some truthful specifics, things they can grow on, things they can work on and recognizing the effort and what they've done better. So, you know, a lot of times we get very, very high level athletes, high level professionals, the people that come to PCA that want to be trainers are just top notch. And so it's a balance of encouraging them, but also kind of shifting the way that they facilitate workshops is new for people. And I've also found that sometimes the, uh, the higher the level, for example, professors that are doing this all day long, aren't really given an opportunity to have feedback. Um, even some very high level athletes, we've got some, some pro athletes, um, former pro athletes that are trainers. We have, you know, a lot of people that were really high of all American division one athletes. And when you give them feedback, you can see all of a sudden like, oh, wait, nobody's ever told me that, you know, and, and it's funny to hear, especially because, you know, Carol Dweck is one of our national advisory board members. We talk a lot about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It's so, it's so clear to me sometimes 
how many high level athletes have a fixed mindset or they're, they're the result of a talent trap because their whole life they've been told you're such a great athlete. You're so talented. So all of a sudden now when they're like, Oh, PCA positive coaching, that's a, that's a breeze. I've been a coach for years and I can do this. And all of a sudden you've got somebody saying, well, just because you're a high level coach doesn't mean you know how to communicate being a fantastic coach. It's being a communicator. It's not necessarily just, well, I've got 50 state banners and I was an all American and my, you know, my team has all these accolades. It's how do you communicate this in a way that's you're the expert in the room, but we also want you to be humble and we want you to share your mistakes that you've made because we want coaches in the room to feel comfortable to share. So uh, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest challenges. Um, aside from, again, having to pivot this year and rethink everything like everyone else has done this year, but taking, again, when you're, when you're working with a company that's dealing with sports and dealing with live interactive relationships and communication, and all of a sudden those two things are taken away, having to just be able to deliver the same product virtually and have it make an impact. So that's where, I mean, this year was everybody, a lot of my friends were saying, oh, COVID was such a great break for me. You know, I got to catch up on my reading and clean my house and do all these wonderful things. And I thought I have been going like Mach 60 since it started, just trying to every single week and every single workshop saying, how can we make it better? What can we do? How can we make it more fun? What other creative ways can we get coaches to interact over Zoom? Um, and, you know, for me, it was a bonus because I had been using Zoom and, and virtual um, technology for years in the trainer course. So I was very comfortable with seeing how effective it was, um, but being able to sort of sell it to the rest of the company and say, I think we can do this. I think we can pivot and do this on Zoom. And now the exciting part is now that things are opening up again in a lot of parts of the world, there are still partners we have that really like the virtual platform. Um, for example, parent workshops. Parent workshops, it's very hard to get youth parents to come to workshops not because they don't want to, but because they have childcare issues and, you know, it's hard for them in the evenings to get away to do a workshop. So our parent workshop attendance has been phenomenal on Zoom because parents can, you know, they have no reason to not be there. So I think there's some things that came out of this pandemic um, that are going to stick around for a while that ended up being really great products that PCA has been able to, to been able to uh, become experts on. I'm going to take it back to your interview. And uh, mm -hmm. when you went out to the West Coast, and uh, by the way, what a risk that was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that took a lot of guts, man. I tell you, I, like to be able to, to, to say, I don't really want your job. I want this thing. And it, that takes a lot of guts to do. But if you ever think about this, and, uh, and good friend and PCA trainer, Eric Johnson, we talked yesterday, and he said, you know, Tim, I talk about you all the time as being you know, somebody that even before all this COVID stuff happened, you had the right idea about how you wanted to do things and you got into the online teaching bit and look where it's at now. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I'd like to say that I, 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 you know, had a vision for that, but I mean, it's kind of a, a vision of yours that came true, wouldn't you say, albeit with uh, COVID popping in, but it's kind of led to this happening uh, even more so, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think, I think it's, it just comes down to when, when people are applying for jobs and looking for careers, I have, you know, I have two daughters right now in college and they're starting to think about their future careers. And I think so much of it is, it's just, it's in the box. Like, what do you go to college for? What's your degree in? You've got to go out and get a job, you know, ABCD. And, you know, it's interesting, just small aside, but my, my oldest daughter is going to be a senior in college, James Madison in Virginia. And she's a business management major with an entrepreneurship minor. 
Well, most of the people in her program this summer have internships. So they're working in an office and they're getting coffee and they're filing, you know, things and data entry. And she got an opportunity to be a wilderness guide out in Creed, Colorado, where she's taking high school kids out into the mountains and it's, it's leadership, it's ministry. It's, it's just an amazing opportunity with a young life camp to take these kids out into the wilderness out of their comfort zone with everything on their back and it's leave no trace and they're, you know, out there. And she got this opportunity after this, you know, extensive interview process. And she said, I'm not sure if I should do it or not, because when I graduate, it's not going to, I haven't had an internship in a business, quote unquote business. So I don't know if this is such a great idea. And, you know, my husband and I were like, are you kidding me? This is phenomenal. (laughs) This is exactly what businesses will be looking for. I mean, think about all the skills you're going to learn, but it just reminds me sometimes, Tim, that, you know, we get into this program of this is what the job is. This is what you have to do to get there. And I think especially in the sports world with sports changing so much and and everything being so transient is that there are amazing opportunities. And if it's, if something you're offered is not what you want, that's what sports taught us to do. Be flexible, be strong, stand up for what you believe in, Um, you know, take risks, go for it. And as you said, it was a risk, but I thought, you know, the worst that could happen is I could go out there, pitch my job and come home and then to say, you know, this isn't really what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody to do what we said, travel around the country, recruit people, train them for a weekend and then send them off. And I had the opportunity then to say, okay, then I'm not your person. Or I could have said, okay, you know, I might consider it, reconsider it. But if you don't try and you don't take a risk, you know, what's, why would you do it? Why would you bother? So again, I think it comes always comes down to the life lessons. I think if I had not been an athlete, I probably would have said, oh, you know, sorry, that's not the job I want. Yeah. Well, and at least the next question pertaining to skills that are essential for success as a sports professional, you just brought up one and it's risks. Uh, being able, willing to take a risk, being willing to step out on faith, if you will. Uh, and uh, before we get into that, I would dare say uh, you, you and your husband gave your uh, daughter great advice because that uh, is <laughs> so such um, these days. I, I don't know, but I think I'd rather do something like your daughter's going to do uh, this summer as opposed to, you know, going and getting coffee and making copies as an mm-hmm. intern. Um, I know that my experiences through the years of working camps, going and doing uh, internships where uh, it was very um, active, uh, those are things that made a difference. It got me to where I am. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't care what industry you're in, if you're doing something that uh, provides leadership right. uh, opportunities, man, jumping at that chance. And hey, where can you do it more pretty than Colorado, right? So, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so after what, the first week, she said, this is hard, mom. This is so much harder than I thought. And I said, yep, that's why you're out there. That's why you're doing it. Absolutely. So what skills do you, what skills do you consider to be essential? I mean, you've been in, in this industry at varied levels. Um, what, what skills do you consider essential for success as a sports professional in any segment of sports? Yeah, I think probably the first one that comes to mind, as you said, taking risks, I think is a big one. But I think that the other side of taking the risk is resilience, is being able to bounce back when things don't go your way or don't go the way they, you know, you had planned or someone gives you feedback that you didn't want to hear. I think, again, from sports, I mean, you can't learn the type of resilience and character in a social studies classroom that you can on the court or in the pool or on the track. So I think resilience for me has been huge, Um, not always just 
if somebody doesn't like what I did or somebody shoots down an idea or I don't get a job offer saying, oh, well, yeah, okay, I guess I'm a failure. Then I guess I, I'm not in the right business. But being able to say, no, I, I deserve this or you know, take another route or say, yeah, if this is something I really want, I'm gonna change my strategy and I'm gonna go after it. So I think the resetting from mistakes is really huge as well. Um, being able to look at, at mistakes that you've done in your past and say, what have I done that I've learned from? What have I done that, that was, you know, maybe not so great and I shouldn't do it again. <laughs> so I think that's huge. Just being brave enough and courageous enough to be able to look back and say, yeah, this is, this is, these were good things that happened. And these were things that weren't great, but it's helped me become who I am today. So I think that's huge. I think the other one too, that I've learned more and more, I think, um, I just turned 50 last week, so I'm not, I don't consider myself way in the fifties yet, but I'm just scratching the surface. But I think something I've learned as I get older too, is to just be more vulnerable and be more honest about when I have made mistakes. I think for a while, when you're younger and you start your career, you're afraid to tell somebody that you've done something wrong or you're unsure of yourself because you're afraid it's going to look like a weakness. And I think, you know, for me, being in the, the leadership of my position and, and having a lot of people that work for me is I really appreciate when somebody can say, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you help me with this? Um, or I'm not really understanding what you're asking me to do. I think that's huge, just that honesty and vulnerability to be able to put that out there. And that's something I would say within the last 10 years for myself included, I've been able to really take that skill and, and admit when um, I, I, I'm sorry, I just screwed this up. <laughs> I didn't mean to do this, but this is what happened and I need help fixing it. And again, I think it, it helps people around you feel more comfortable. You don't have this air of like, I am the best, I am the only one that can do it. It's, it really, I think it also welcomes a team atmosphere more that, you know, we can't do this ourselves. I need your help. I don't have the skill set that you have. Can I bring you in? So I would say those are probably the three, the, the taking risks, the bouncing back from mistakes and the um, honesty and vulnerability are the three I would say are the biggest for me. Yeah. Vulnerability is strengths. I think I, mm -hmm. I really do. I, you know, especially for those folks that are listening or just getting into this or considering going into sport as a business or industry, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking the question or asking for help or asking, you know, why? And I think mm. that that uh, being vulnerable makes a, a, a stronger uh, person because, you know, no one's perfect. And yeah. um, I wanna also bring this up and uh, it just occurred to me even in our interview today that, you know, the Positive Coaching Alliance um, model for young athletes and parents could very well be used for sports professionals, mm, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and coming up with, you know, a sport, uh, a mistake ritual for mm -hmm. sports professionals, uh, you know, oh, I just messed that up, you know, I, you know, coming up with a, a ritual for that, or, uh, you know, also the filling of, of e-tanks, emotional tanks, yeah. uh, you know, there are so many uh, great things that Positive Coaching Alliance brings to the table in terms of skill building, mm -hmm. um, uh, not just uh, for young people and parents and coaches, but also folks that are just in the industry, hey, they could be people working in uh, athletic administration. They could be working in sports marketing, sports coaching, of course, sports sales, you name it. And uh, it's just something that occurred to me just now. Well, it's, uh, it's actually already happening. Um, we've had a positive motivation workshop for years, which is a positive motivation workshop for coaches. And it really is a full workshop that focus on, focuses on the benefits of feeling emotional tanks and being positive. And a few years back, we had a corporation reach out Google and said, hey, can we do a workshop for our executives? 
because, you know, some of the people on the board were coaches and they'd come to PCA workshops and they said, I think this would really be effective for our executive team. And so um, Tina Sire, who was the vice president at the time said, yeah, you know, we can put this together for you. And she delivered a workshop that was very similar to what we do for coaches. And it was actually a breath of fresh air because a lot of corporations are tired of hearing all the corporate examples. So they said, oh, use sports examples, call us players, call them coaches, call them teams. And so it was so well received that we had a few other companies um, that jumped on board and said, yeah, we love this. So we've done corporate, we call them positive motivation for managers or positive motivation in the workplace, positive motivation for corporations. And again, this year with Zoom, I personally have been able to deliver almost a dozen of these. And it's been really fun to be on a, you know, this year, everybody's been inundated with Zoom. And, you know, when you hear it's another Zoom workshop and you're doing it with a business like Encore Media, or we've done, you know, Deloitte, or, you know, Steptoe and Johnson, we've done it with law firms and you, they think they're getting on for another Zoom workshop. And then they realize, you know, when they open the Zoom and music's playing and we start off with the winner's circle and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, could you imagine if your staff meetings were like this? If your staff meetings started out like this and it just, you know, not only the content in the workshop, but just how we do it. They're like, this was so effective and it was so much fun. And we keep the corporate the corporate execs as accountable as we do coaches for honoring the game, for focusing on what you can control and for filling the emotional tanks of the people that you're with, because that is how you will motivate people. And so, you know, that's, it's really been a blast to be able to say, this is not just for sports. It's for anybody in, in any type of a leadership position or management, anybody that manages others, this, these principles are great. And here are ways we can translate it to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, in your in your experience, obviously, uh, you had you know when you went to that first PCA training and uh, and you were just blown away by it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you went you went right up to the speaker, you shook that person's hand and mm -hmm. introduced yourself. So you basically that was the beginning, right? That was the beginning of the networking that got you pretty much into this opportunity later on. Yeah. How, how do you, I mean, how important is networking uh, and how do you approach it? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm not in a sales position for PCA. I'm in more of an educator position, but what I have learned over the past 12 years of being with this company is that, I mean, sports is a huge network <laughs> there. I feel like it's, you know, Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation. There's always somebody that knows somebody that was either coached by this person on a team, college team, high school team. It's such a small world. And in our business, it's been really neat because, you know, I can network with professional athletes, you know, we can get on zoom calls with national advisory board members. And, um, you know, it's been really cool to be able to say, I have actually done a workshop with, um, you know, Jason Richardson and Jaja Pachulia and these people that, you know, I've been on calls with them and through a lot of the things that we've done. And then you talk to somebody else and you say, Oh, I did a workshop for, you know, the coaches of the USA gymnastics team. And, and they're like, oh, well, really who? And even though it was virtual, I'm like, yeah, they were on with me. And then you're doing workshops, youth workshop athletes, I mean, youth workshops, and some of the parents, you know, might come up to you afterwards and say, oh, I played baseball at Duke with so-and-so that's also a PCA trainer. And, you know, the connections are just, it's so important. And I think it's more of, I, I like to use the word relationships instead of connections, because I think anybody has connections through association. But when you can actually say, I have a relationship with this person and this is how, it makes a big difference because now it's, I know that person, it's not just, oh, we were, we graduated from the same class or, 
you know, I know them through this. So again, being in the um, education world for so long and then shifting now to the more of a corporate sports world, I, it just has blown me away how the networking of teams and especially with the, the, um, the business of sports now that's just skyrocketed over the last you know, 15, 20 years of the club teams and the, the influence of the professionals that are coaching and sponsoring and leading some of these teams, it's really cool to be able to say, hey, wait, I, I played with, uh, I played on the same team as that person at one point, or I played against them, or, you know, their child was on my team. And it's, it's really, I think networking is really important. The relationships, I think, are more important. Right. Well, I can say this, that regarding Positive Coaching Alliance, you know, one of the main reasons why I went, uh, you know, pursued it had a lot to do with Eric Johnson. Um, it also had to do with uh, Troy Pearson, a former mm -hmm. PCA employee uh, and, a, and a mentor to me when I was a, a young coach many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, some of my students, uh, Dr. Angel Brutus, mm -hmm. um, Mary Rose Blank, mm -hmm. um, Anthony Roberson, who yeah. is uh, I'm actually chairing his doctoral research project right now. And all, all these people, you know, have been involved and they're like, you know, Dr. Rice, we think you'd be great at that. And, and I think that that networking, just through knowing people, like you were just saying, you know, it is a very small um, world, the sports world in many ways. And there are a lot of people that really are getting into Positive Coaching Alliance. And so mm -hmm. I can see kind of where you're coming from on that. Um, now, as we get, uh, we close the, the interview today, I mean, what, what's one piece of advice that you give to someone deciding to start a career in sports? Say they're just getting out of college and they're interested in learning more and uh, what's one piece of advice you give them? I think the best advice that I was given was do what you love, you know, follow your passion and don't let any outside influences tell you you can't do it. Um, you know, I think there's so much, there's so many naysayers. Well, I have a lot, you know, obviously my kids are college age and they have friends that are sports marketing majors or sports, you know, that the whole, the whole major of sports in colleges is different than it was years ago. There's so many different options. There's, I just did a workshop down at Temple University. That's a, a sports coaching major. So I was actually teaching students that are, that's their major. And I just, sometimes I laugh. I'm like, wow, you can actually go to college for that. Like, that's incredible. But you know, I think there's so many naysayers that say, oh, the, you know, the sports market is flooded. There's so many people going to college for sports things. And it's just because these athletes want to have fun, but it takes few to be able to say, I want sports to be my career, not just because I like to watch baseball, but because I really believe in the power of sports. And I really believe that, you know, there is the entertainment industry of sports and that's one aspect of sports professionals. And then there is the, the character building, coaching, psychology aspect of sports. And there's so many different ways that you can take a sports career that you don't have to give up if one of the channels doesn't work. Um, and again, I think also because of all the challenges of kids coming out of college these days with the job market and you know everything happening, a lot of times people might think, well, I'll just I'll just get an interim job just to hold me over. I'll just you know work at Starbucks until my my perfect career comes up. And I I just would constantly encourage people to say, you know. Yeah, guess definitely get a job. You know, working at Starbucks pays the bills. But these entry level positions, if it's in a career that you love, do the time. Learn as much as you can about the business, even if you're just, you know, working. I, I have a friend whose son got hired to just work online because the office isn't open yet. And I, you know, and I asked him, what are you learning? He said, I'm actually learning a lot about people. 
And I said, that's a skill right there. Um, you know, my daughter got an office job this summer. She's a nursing major. And I said, well, how's it going? And she said, I'm learning that I don't ever want to work in an office. And I said, well, that's really important. <laughs> so I think, you know, learning everything that you can learn along the journey and not just saying, well, if the perfect job that I have out there doesn't come to me in the first year, you know, I'm just going to give up on the career. Because again, sometimes you just have to innovate and just take risks and, and try things just not, not to give up again. That's what sports taught us. Yeah. And I know for me, even you bring up, you know, the, the word, the, do what you love. I mean, the, the words do what you love. Uh, there are going to be times where you're going to do things that you love and sometimes you're just not going to be fun. <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure. And, and uh, it, it, it it's ultimately about the long-term approach. Yeah, you want to make sure that you love what you're doing, but there are going to be some days that aren't going to be easy. And that being, it, it's kind of like uh, strength training. You know, you have to break the muscle down to build it mm -hmm. up, you know? And, right. and I, I think that that's kind of what happens in this industry. Would you agree with that? I would, I would. And I think, you know, do what you love sounds so cliche, but I think more of it is, you know, when you're doing something you love and you really find purpose in it, I think that's more of the, the key is knowing that what you're doing is making a difference. And there definitely are the hard days. I mean, nobody likes to do wind sprints on the side of the field, but you know, you do it because it's going to pay off in the long run. So I think just finding purpose in what you're doing. And, you know, if, if finding purpose is doing something that other people don't like, but you enjoy it, do it. I think it's fantastic. I think the biggest thing that I've learned, I think from my parents' generation is, you know, when my, when my dad was, early in his job, he stayed with the same job for 30 years. That's what, just what you did. And today, you know, jobs are much quicker and careers switch and change, which I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that persistence and patience and knowing that, you know, sometimes you have to put in the time and you have to put in the work in order to get where you need to be. I think we could do a little bit better with that instead of just shifting careers because it's not what I want in the moment. Yeah. Or that if it's uncomfortable. You know, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, if, if that were the case, I would be doing something else because, <laughs> right. you know, many years ago, probably. And that's why um, a lot of people want to hire athletes because, I mean, people that have played sports, especially I know there was studies about women, Division One um, women alumni in sports, they're the first to be hired because we're okay being uncomfortable. We know how to push through, we know how to deal with adversity. Um, we understand teamwork and communication. I mean, these are all the skills that would be great for any career, let alone sports. So yeah. it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a bonus. Yeah, it is. Um, so I said, uh, you know, we talked about the ladder earlier. Now we have the second time mm. that we'll talk about the ladder uh, as we close today. How do you hold the ladder for others, Kelly? Um. I think, I, I think I feel like I have a lot of people I hold letters for. Um, but one of, the, one of the things I love so much is to, I feel like what I do for my career in Positive Coaching Alliance just is such a great, it's multiplicative. Um, when I'm training somebody to be a trainer like yourself, Tim, and then you can go out and how many workshops are you going to do in a year? You know, you might do 20, 30 workshops in a year. And every workshop that you're doing that coach might have 20 to 30 players. And so sometimes I, it, it just, I, I'm in all of it. Like, wow, if I can help Tim Rice be the best trainer he can be, what an effect, what a ripple effect that's gonna have on not only these coaches, but the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids that they coach. And so that to me, I, I mean, I consider that holding the ladder for anybody that I train 
because it's just the better that you are at what you do and the better you are at facilitating and communicating positive coaching principles to the people that you talk to, it's, it can make a difference in a seven-year-old in Columbus, Ohio, you know, and then that kid, if you think about back to your youth sports experience and your, your experience as an athlete, that sticks with you. And then that kid could go on someday and be a high school athlete and be a college athlete and be a coach and say, wow, you know what? I had a coach when I was seven years old that made this huge influence on my life. And, you know, it's just, it's just such a, such a generational thing. So I would say for the most part, it's the people that I train because I understand how important their role is. And I think secondly, you know, my family right now, it's, it's really been wonderful to see my children who are now becoming adults and realizing my role as a parent is changing. And, and it is more of, you know, rather than pulling them up the ladder, <laughs> it's holding the ladder and saying, okay, you know, you're going to slip sometimes and the ladder might be a little wobbly, but I got you. And, and when to step back and let them handle it themselves and, and when to hold it stronger and when to encourage them to, to really go for things. So I would say right now, those are the two at the top of my mind. Yeah. I, the one, one of my uh, colleagues, actually a mentor of mine, Steve Lamy, who's head men's basketball coach at Grove City College, he told me mm -hmm. once on the phone that, you know, I, I was talking about the fact that I wasn't coaching a team, you know, a sports team. And he said, well, you know, I'm coaching a team here at Grove City and I have 15 young men that are I love. But you work with coaches and players and students and all these people and, and it's exactly what you talked about. It's being multiplied and, and you're, you're a, you're a coach of coaches. You, mm -hmm. you lead many people and I never even thought about it that way. And I think mm -hmm. that your point is very uh, important that you have, yeah, that's exactly what you do. And you never know who of the trainers that you you've trained and worked with will go out and, and make this incredible difference for a sport to, to really, you know, uh, you know, have a change the culture of sport, which is what mm -hmm. positive coaching Alliance is all about. So that's really, I think it's definitely holding the letters. No question about that. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of letters, but <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're going uh, all across. You basically have this uh, long pathway. You're a ladder, 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 you know, you're yeah. having to go down and first ladder done second ladder. Um, yeah. So, well, thanks for sharing that. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you again for being willing to come on. I know you're very sure. busy in, in what you do. Um, so how would you like to close the podcast today, Kelly? How would I like to? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I think I just love what you're doing. I've, I've been really much more into podcasts, <laughs> I think, since the pandemic. I've been doing a lot more walking and running. And I just think, you know, it's an awesome opportunity that you give to have people that are considered experts in the field. Um, and it's really, it's really cool for me because, you know, sometimes I forget that I'm an expert in a field that not a lot of people do. And, you know, it's like, when you look at the degrees behind my name, I don't have a degree in positive coaching alliance, but when you, when you work for a company that has such a strong message and it's such a, such a passion, we have so many people that say, oh, I love positive coaching because I'm passionate about bringing the most of in athletes. Um, it's, I think that's where the sports profession to me comes alive because when you've got, I, I don't, I don't hear many people to say, I'm so passionate about accounting, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, great. But I think people understand the power that sports has and they understand what sports has done for them. And they sit there and think I can make a career out of this. 
And one of the most beautiful things I think I just heard you mention, you know, when you said you're not actually coaching a team, I hadn't coached a high school team in about 17 years. And now going back, I felt like Austin Powers because I coached back in the late nineties for a while when there were no cell phones and there were not, you know, a lot of this stuff wasn't happening. And then I come back three years ago and I'm like, wow, this is different. You know, the way we do things is different, but the culture and what kids need is the same. And so I've had the wonderful opportunity to be kind of preaching it for the past 12 years in Positive Coaching Alliance. And now I'm putting it back into action with my high school team that I'm assistant coaching, which I say the assistant coach is the best job in the world (laughs) because I literally just get to coach. But the, the opportunities that I've had to literally put into practice what I'm doing at work every day has just been wonderful. So again, I think to close this out, what I was going to say is when I was thinking about sports professionals, um, remember to never lose the love and the fun in sports also, because when you take something that you love and you make it a business and you make it a career, sometimes you lose the love of it and you lose the fun of it. So I've really enjoyed teaching people about coaching for the last 12 years. And now I'm loving even more getting a chance to coach again. So, wow. Well, it's a great way to close it. And I, uh, you know, I I do think that uh, the points you made are very valid. I I think when we look at sports, okay, I don't know about you, but I didn't start playing Little League Baseball uh, to to win the trophy. I actually probably started playing baseball to be with my friends, Mm -hmm. um, but also to get the um, the, the Coke and the wax cup after the game at the concession stand <laughs> and to get the lick of freeze pop. Yeah. 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 I, I wanted, I wanted the, the, the fun stuff. Yeah. And, and I think so many times people forget that I don't think enough people go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think they go back and go, well, why did I even get into sports right. to begin with? Yeah. And I've really been thinking about that a lot. And I think that's a really good point, um, you know, to close with. And, um, you know, you provided so many great uh, tips and uh, for our listeners. And, um, you know, I will make sure that our listeners uh, have your information from the webpage sure. um, and in the show notes. And I do, again, I appreciate you and thanks so much for uh, being willing to share today. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we are always looking for good people um, to, to do what we do. We have you know, the world is opening up again and we're looking for, for trainers always. If you have a love of sports and coaching and passion and when you want to do what we do, we're always looking for people. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode, which will be a special episode this coming Thursday, July 1st. It's my 51st birthday, and we've decided to have a special guest and a special episode. We normally have them on Mondays, every Monday. This week, we will have a guest from Admirals Basketball Academy, the leader of Admirals Basketball Academy, Nick Marari. Admirals Basketball Academy is based in Kishinaw, Moldova, in Kiev, Ukraine. And Candy and I have been uh, big supporters of the organization for the last few years. And we are also completing a fundraising challenge for them. And I'll share more about that on Thursday. Hope you have a great next few days. Talk to you on Thursday. Take care.